motherhood, and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Before diving into this episode, I wanted to share an update with you. There are seasons, stages, and times of change in our motherhood journey, and this is the case with my podcast as well. With many mixed emotions, the final episode of the Part-Time Jungle podcast will be released at the end of June 2022, and I will be launching a new podcast called the People Teaching People podcast in the fall. This journey has been amazing. I have had the opportunity to connect with so many incredible people, to hear their stories, to be inspired, and to learn so much. I have also had such wonderful feedback from our community of listeners about the guests, episodes, and conversations that have really resonated with them. I wasn't quite sure what to expect when I started this podcast back in February of 2020, but it has truly filled my soul and warmed my heart. However, it is time for a change. My background is in education, and I am truly passionate about all things teaching and learning. My new podcast will be a place to talk about the who, what, when, where, why, and how of teaching and learning in a world where there is always more to discover. Education truly plays an important and integral role in all facets of our lives, how we work, do business, live, play, explore, and build relationships. Thank you for joining me in the part-time jungle, and I hope to have you join me on the road and adventure ahead on the People Teaching People podcast. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm excited to be here with our guest today, Nicole North. Nicole is the president and founder of Whiteboard Consulting and has been leading large-scale leadership training initiatives with Whiteboard since its inception. Nicole's formal education includes an honors BA from the University of Toronto and an MBA from Wilfrid Laurier University. She is also certified as a coach and as a practitioner in Myers-Briggs type indicator assessments and training, method time motion studies, and appreciative inquiry. She is the creator, designer, and lead facilitator of the Limitless Leader Program that creates leaders and teams that feel limitless to create and innovate, paired with accountability and grace. Nicole has been designing and delivering online and in-person human skills content for the last 10 years and is a top-rated facilitator for her engagement and passionate approach to delivery. Whiteboard's clientele includes... IMAX, Volkswagen, Mitsubishi, 
the Toronto General Hospital, the Canada Council for the Arts, and the University of Toronto. And I know I'm not naming them all, but there's such a fantastic list. And Nicole, as well, is a retired fitness instructor who dances on her Peloton, a cottage country lover, a vegan cook, and she can out karaoke almost anyone. Thank you so much for joining me, Nicole. So happy to be here. I would like to start where I I generally start with all of my guests, and that's learning more about your story. So what has been your journey in motherhood and work that's brought you to where you are and what you're doing today? Ooh, big questions. Let's see. So journey to motherhood was certainly an interesting one something that I knew, I always said when I was younger that I wanted to have a soccer team and I I now will never want a whole soccer team of children. My two and a half children is absolutely more than enough that (laughs) more than enough for me, but we definitely had some fertility struggles and, and went through IVF for both of my children. And then my husband has a daughter as well. So that makes our two and a half. And then from a work perspective, I have always had this passion for corporate culture. I was, you know, I I worked in an office from a very, very young age. Um, So I started working at, for the Ontario government when I was in second year university. So I always just had this office job. So like all of the other people at university were like out partying. And I was like, I have to be up at eight 30 because I have a financial reconciliation report due at 10. Um, And so I just always kind of squeezed that in. So I just had this like corporate job from like the moment I can remember. And as I kind of moved through the government, I started to realize that sometimes it sucked and sometimes your leaders sucked and made you feel terrible. And it had always been my passion. I was like, oh, if I could get my manager's job, I could make everyone that worked for me not feel terrible. And so it kind of like hopped around, moved around. I was very ambitious, always wanted to try new things, was a you know, a manager at a very, very young age. And at one point landed at my boss's office and I was like, I want to work in policy. I was like, you, you have all the exciting meetings. I work in HR and finance. You always cancel on my meetings. I want to be in the meetings with you. And he kind of looked at me. He's like, well, Nicole, you don't have a policy degree, so you couldn't possibly do this. And I was like, well, I have a plan. I have a mentor that I've agreed to work with. And he was like, no, he's like, you should go be a consultant somewhere. So I like scanned the jobs and looked for consulting jobs in the government, which was not quite so simple, but I found something. And there, lo and behold, I landed at Service Ontario, which is you know where we do all our driver's license, health card, the whole bit. And I landed in the best culture I'd ever experienced in my entire life. It was like from the day I got there, people were like, oh, Nicole, it's after five o'clock. Is there anything I can help you with so that we can both go home early? And I was like, what kind of magical unicorn environment have I landed in? And managers gave feedback, tough feedback, but in a gentle way, people showed up on time to meetings, all of them. People actually did their work. It was just something I'd never seen running so smoothly before. And my boss was the reason for that. She was absolutely incredible. And she ended up being my business partner and we started whiteboard together. And then she ended up retiring at the kind of midsection of COVID. And so then I took over whiteboard this last year. So this has been my first year with white as whiteboard with my own baby. Well, that's an exciting spot to be in. And that is quite the journey to get where you are today. 
And I love what you're talking about. And I hope we can talk about this more when we really dive into leadership, but how that leader can really set the tone for the workplace and really establish and set that feeling that you have when you're there. And that can make a huge difference for employees, uh, the type of work environment, but also the way that people work in that environment as well. Now, I want to talk a little bit more first, though, about the motherhood work juggle. And we are still very much in this global pandemic, which adds a huge additional layer to all the things that we juggle in motherhood and work. So I'd love to know how old are your kids and what are some of the strategies and resources that help you make your juggle work for you? Okay. So our three kids, uh, so my uh, husband's daughter, my stepdaughter is at 10. And then we have my daughter who is four. And then my son who arrived right at the start of the pandemic, he is just turning, he'll be turning two in April. Oh, so there, yeah, yeah, you've got a little bit of a mix for sure. Yeah. 10, four and two. It's, it's, it's a good one. So how do you make it all work then with working and school and little ones and all the things that you have going on? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, having a partner that you can kind of, you know, really sort through things. We kind of have the morning debrief, like who's driving who to school, who's taking who to dance. What do you have going on? We also, my husband and I probably for the last year and a bit have been doing the 75 hard program. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a a really intensive, it's supposed to be a mental discipline program. And it's got, you know, workouts and water and reading to do. And it really makes you follow this rigorous schedule. And I would say that is one of the tools, even though it took a lot of time out of our lives, so to speak, it taught us how to really manage our time really well. So when we go to work, we focus on work. And when we're with the kids, uh, we're with the kids. And it's just that kind of delicate negotiation, that and, and asking grandparents for help all the time as much as possible. Thank goodness for grandparents. <laughs> yes. And, and you know, the, the, the hack for me that my neighbors are like, how come you guys always don't have any kids? And it's like, oh, well, we give one kid to each grandparent. And so therefore we don't feel bad about giving them away because they only have one grandkid and we have none. (laughs) It's all about sharing the love, right? Yeah. Sharing the love. And I think being able to ask for that help is so important. That can be a, a really tough thing to do to say, you know what? I need some help. And do you mind? And, you know, most of the time the answer is no problem, right? People are willing and excited to to help you out with things. And I think it's a good thing to be able to ask for that help when you need it. And my last big tip, and I guess this isn't a tip. I think when I was doing 75 hard, you know, there's two 45 minute workouts. One has to be inside. One has to be outside. They can't be adjacent to one another. One of the things I started to realize is that as a mom, I didn't feel like I could just be like, I'm going to work out Bye. It was like, oh, if you asked, if my husband asked me or said, I'm going to work out, it was only under those circumstances that I felt I had permission to do the same. And so it took a lot of practice for me to learn how to say, I need 45 minutes. I need to go downstairs and I need it. And I just have to have it. And I think that took a lot of practice for me. I know that sounds so silly. 
And I remember my husband at one point saying like, well, we should just, you know, split the day. You take the morning, you take the afternoon. And I was like, oh, that's not the like picture perfect family weekend I envisioned. But when we started to have time to recoup and rejuvenate and have some choice, you know, my husband and I do this split shift on the weekends, you know, someone takes pre-nap and someone takes post-nap and you have three hours. And sometimes I pack a bag with like a towel and like shower stuff. And I go downstairs and I have a workout and I take a shower in a bathroom that I don't normally take a shower in. And I just sit and watch whatever television I want. No one questions me. No one asks me to turn on Paw Patrol or Encanto. You know, I just get to watch what I watch. And that has been a huge mom hack for me, like asking for that time and taking that time, knowing that I can come back to it. And I am 1000% better at work and with my kids and with my husband after that. Yeah. I found, especially when our kids were younger, I needed that time to myself to do those things for me where I could kind of, I could step away. And I think over time, my husband recognized how important that time was for me too. And he would encourage me. And so I think when you kind of get to that place, when you recognize for one another, having that time and space is so important. And I think it's great to have like a structured approach that helps you, you know, works for you to kind of organize that time and prioritize those things for yourself. So I have not, I've heard of the 75 hard program. I have not myself (laughs) tried to implement it into my, into my life, but I do like having structure in my day. I get up early in the morning and exercise. Well, now it's my husband because the gym doesn't open up early enough and my eldest because he's decided he wants to work out before school. So it's a little crowded in our basement, but you know, just having that routine as part of my day and moving my body and doing those things to take care of me makes such a big difference. But you're right. I'm I'm with you. I've struggled with, you know, I kind of need to make sure that it works for everybody else and that they're getting Yeah. And it's just, it's important. It's important to carve out that time and you end up being so much better for everybody else when you do that. And it's all about just, and it sounds so strange. Like if you'd asked me this a year ago, I would have never thought that I would need encouragement or motivation to ask for time for myself. And I didn't even understand that concept, but I, in the absence of that permission or my husband kind of saying, Hey, go get your workout done. Like not, not for that reason, but just like, you know, you want to go, please take the time for yourself, do what you need to do. It's game changing. It really is. I'm so glad you found that, that way to get that time in for yourself. And I admire you greatly for the 75 hard. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing program. It's very, very interesting. And every time I'm on it, I'm like, I feel like an enhanced human. Uh, And every time I'm off it, I'm just like, whatever. (laughs) Very fascinating. Really interesting. Maybe I'll take a peek and I might have to adopt it and put my own spin on it or something. I'll have a closer look for sure. Now you've created your own leadership program, the Limitless Leader Program. And I'm really curious for you, what does it mean to be a limitless leader? So the limitless leader was born from a conversation with one of my uh, great friends, kind of a lifelong friend of mine who had gone to Tony Robbins and she was describing this experience, jumping up and down and crying in her living room. And I was like, really? 
you're crying in your living room. It's, you don't really strike me as the kind of like crying at Tony Robbins. And I was intrigued because I'd always found that like yell at me behavior, not very interesting. And so when she described it, I said, so what is it? What, what does he do? And she said, Tony makes you feel like you can defy all odds. Like you are limitless. You can do anything. Just the way he makes you feel is just incredible. And I immediately, like my immediate kind of retort to that statement was, wouldn't that be amazing if that's how people described you as a leader? My boss makes me feel limitless. Like I can defy all odds. And that was how the limitless leader was born. And it was me kind of distilling 10 years of consulting and facilitation and communications and podcasting and all that work to say, what are those characteristics that leaders can do that make people feel limitless? Like they can do anything because not only does that make leaders feel good, it makes people feel good. And it, as much as we don't like to talk about this part of it, the organization gets the results, right? At the end of the day, that is what we're all trying to get at, whether we like to say it or not. So what would be some of the key characteristics of someone who you would consider to be a limitless leader? I think probably the very first and most important component is that ability to communicate clearly and kindly. One of my favorite phrases from Brene Brown, I think it's in Dare to Lead, is to be clear is to be kind. And I think, I don't know if it's a Canadian thing, Or, you know, just something we have learned over time that we don't say things clearly. And I'm the worst for this, right? I have a, a preference for that relationship. So I'm often more concerned about how you're going to feel about what I say. So I, I add some layers onto it. I'm sorry to say this, but if it's not too big of a deal, would it be possible? And if it's not too much trouble, then maybe if you could, right? And we layer on all this stuff just to say, can you get me the document on time next time, right? But we struggle to be that clear and that direct because sometimes people are offended or disrupted by that directness. So for me, hands down the the foundational component of a limitless leader is one that communicates with clarity and kindness and curiosity and grace and holds people accountable. And that was kind of that magic secret sauce of my, my business partner. She had this amazing ability to build great relationships and also be extremely clear in the kindest and gentlest way. And I thought it was that secret algorithm (laughs) that I wanted to recreate in The Limitless Leader. I really like that idea because it is amazing how even the same message, but communicated in a different way can be highly motivating (laughs) or not. (laughs) It can make you want to try your best and do more. And, you know, it gives you that freedom and comfort to, you know, take a risk or try something new. Or it can make you feel, you know, fearful or unsure because you're not clear on what's been communicated. So I really love that concept. And I think it makes a lot of sense. So now that we're in the situation where more than ever, things are to a certain extent outside of our control and our circumstances can literally change day to day. 
What do you feel are the things that leaders need right now? I, you know, I feel for leaders. I think in the current environment, leaders foundationally still need those communication skills, right? We've been thrown into this virtual world. And for some of us, it's, it's fine. We, we can have the conversations. We can ask the questions. We can build the rapport. And it's just the same. I would say for me, I hop on a Zoom call. And for the most part, with most people, I can maintain the same type of relationship. But for others, the screen presents awkwardness. It presents, um, okay, so let's, let's just get right down to the, the activities of this meeting, right? And I think more and more, we need to learn how to build relationships virtually as well. And that means things like asking disruptive questions, not, I think you asked me a great disruptive question today, not just, Hey, how are you? How's your day? How's your week? You asked me, how is your 2022 going so far? It's different. It's unusual. It's a disruptor. It made me kind of spark up and say, oh, I don't have a pre-populated answer in my brain for that. Right. Oh, great. Thanks. Crazy busy. Thanks. Super busy. Right. I don't have that (laughs) response. I had to stop, pause and reflect on something to say back to you. And those answers then turned into a conversation. And so I would say above all leaders in this environment right now need to learn how to build those types of relationships with their teams. And they need to pause, reflect, and take time to build relationships so that they can inspire, motivate, give feedback, coach to get the performance that they're looking for. But if you focus on the performance first, the outputs first, your people are going to trickle away. You're going to have the off-camera, you know, off-camera Zoom behavior and, and, and not get those results. So that's, that's what I think the, the thing leaders need the most right now. Yeah, it definitely requires some out-of-the-box thinking, communicating on Zoom and working with teams on Zoom and, you know, building that sense of community and collaboration and getting things done. I definitely experienced that in working with student teachers through the pandemic. It was a learning curve for all of us for sure, but you get creative and you learn some strategies to, to try and make things work the best you can. Now, speaking of which, it is a really exciting time in the world of teaching and learning as educators have had to learn really quickly and get creative in working with students of all ages. So young students and adult students or people who are taking training or programs. So what are some of your favorite tools and approaches for teaching and learning? And I'd also be curious as to why you love them and how you implement them in the work that you do. So some of my favorite tools right now are things like podcast learning. And I think that is a really fascinating way as people are spending more and more time on their screens, people are experiencing higher and higher levels of burnout. I have really been trying to incorporate types of learning that don't require you to be clicking through an online module or spending more time on Zoom in breakout rooms with your colleagues. In fact, trying to take some of that learning out into a place where you can walk in nature, where you can be outside, where you can listen to some learning while you're on a commute. Um, So I have been extremely passionate 
about podcast learning, any kind of learning that can happen in audio only. I spent a lot of time in the pandemic on Clubhouse, which I thought was an absolutely fascinating venue for learning. I'll be curious to see if that kind of audio format can actually work for more significant learning initiatives, but I've certainly been toying in that area and and trying to find clients who are open-minded and willing to try some of those tools out. Um, So that's one. The second tool, when folks are online, of course, you know, you're distracted, you're, you're, you're listening to the instructor and the instructor can be the most exciting, interesting, hilarious person, but an email is going to pop up and the notification is going to come through your zoom screen and you're going to go, Oh, they didn't get my document. Okay. And you're going to turn your camera off and you're going to go do something. And you might miss that one big learning objective, that one, that one nugget, that important thing. So I have been trying to leverage a couple of interesting online tools that enable habit changes and behavior change. So I'm using uh, a tool where once we finish any kind of learning module, whether that be online, in-person, audio, e-learning, however that seems to work for that organization and those individuals, Uh, They can then go in and either select some pre-populated new habits that help them master the skills that they learned in the session. Um, And it gives them a little bit of nudge technology. So it'll send you a text or an email on uh, specific days that you decide and specific times that you decide. And it'll say, hey, how are you doing on that new behavior? You marked, you know, you scaled yourself at a two out of 10. Where are you today? Um, and allows you to kind of have a little of interaction with an instructor, with an accountability buddy. And that has been a fascinating tool. And I think something as a learning and development professional, you can understand. There's always this feeling where you're like, what if they don't change? I taught them for six weeks straight. And what if they just close their, close their binders and never look at them again? What if they never do what we talked about? They were excited that day, but then they slipped into the regular habits, that day-to-day grind. And so I'm really fascinated again with this a disruptor that says, hey, remember that habit? How are you doing on it? And it's okay if you're not moving. It's okay if you're holding steady. It's okay if you're dropping down. Let's let's unpack that and see why. That and I think overall in learning this democratization. Let people pick what they want to learn. I found in this environment the mandated coursework is received much more negatively than coursework that people sign up for that they have autonomy over, that they have control over. And when they're in control of their learning, when they want to learn, they learn. When they are being forced to learn or the learning objectives are really organizationally focused, I delivered a lot of change management training in the pandemic. And I'll tell you, organizational change management is not something anyone wanted to hear about. Burnout and resilience, really high on the scale right? How to engage virtually, really high on the scale. How to build rapport online, really high on the scale. Organizational initiatives, not as great. So giving people that autonomy and choice to choose how and when and what they want to learn. Those are all fantastic tips. I, I really, I really love that. And I like those nudges that you give to people to kind of keep 
reminding them about the amazing learning learning that they did and that opportunity to maybe take the next step if they haven't or reflect upon what they've learned. And also that flexibility to make those learning choices too. I think that's that's so empowering for people. And when we feel like we're learning something and we don't really get why, and it doesn't really matter to us in the moment, it's hard to have that buy-in and to uh, invest of ourselves in, cer- in terms of time and energy and focus to really put the work in that, that we need to in order for it to have any kind of impact. So what sort of tool would you use to give those nudges? I'm curious, is it like an what just, what sort of a platform would you use for that? Yeah. So the platform that I use is, is called actionable and it is uh, a link that we provide participants at the end of a module and they get a session ID, they go in, they plug in all that information, and then it sends them a link either in their text or their email that takes them right to that dashboard where they can say, here's how I'm doing. And here's how I can see my progress on that habit. So it's a, a web-based application. That's amazing. I love how all these really neat, you know, impactful tools are being developed to really change the way that people learn and to make it be even more effective. It's very cool. I'm going to have to check that one out. Thank you. Now on your podcast at the whiteboard, you interview leadership experts to seek the one thing that we can do to be more empathetic, grateful, and impactful leaders that get results. So as a leadership expert yourself, what do you think is the one thing that we can do? I think it's to act with kindness and curiosity and offer grace and Maybe I've said 10 things now and balance that with accountability. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. I think it's what I talked about earlier, like that ability to communicate with kindness, but also hold people to expectations, hold people to uh, things that they agree to hold people to guidelines and rules in a nice and kind way that offers grace and compassion when necessary and holds firm when necessary. And I think that is like the magical unicorn of leadership. I really like that, that balance of kindness and accountability, but you can hold people accountable and in in a kind way. Absolutely. (laughs) I think people struggle with that because they assume that if I hold you accountable, I'm not being kind or graceful or compassionate or empathetic. And I, I think we need to learn the tools that allow us to give people feedback. I think that also is kind of the the culminating factor. If we can learn to give feedback nicely and kindly and so that it's it's a habit, it is less of an alarming, jarring thing, right? If I can say to you, hey, Tiana, can I offer you some feedback? Yesterday in the podcast, this happened. I just wanted to let you know, you know, let's talk about it. And I say it, kindly, and I've got that formal feedback mechanism, then next time I can say, Hey, Tiana, can I tell you something? And you go, Oh, Nicole's going to tell me something, but I know she's going to say it nicely. Um, and I know she has a good intention from it. So let's go. And my, my business partner and I used to have that. We used to come out of every meeting and we just kind of say, how did that go for you? How did that go for you? And we talk it out. And then if one of us still had something to offer, we'd say, can I tell you something? (gasps) Yes, absolutely. And so that even that as a simple tool, can I tell you something is 
an incredibly amazing tool to say, as soon as you say that it sets people's shoulders, it puts them at attention. They're ready to listen rather than catching people off guard. You're always late. (laughs) Can Can I tell you something? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's get there. Let's dive in. Well, I think too, when you say it in that way, and when it's coming from a place of kindness, the intent is to be helpful because you want what's best for your company and organization and the team, but for that person as well. You want to support that person's growth and productivity and the things that they can accomplish and do. So it's coming from a good place. So I think as long as we remember that, but you're right, if you just sort of bark out a piece of feedback (laughs) and you're not trying to communicate it in a way that can be helpful. It may be taken the wrong way. Well, I had a, I had a boss for a short time and, and, you know, she would just say, these numbers are all wrong. You're not being careful. And it was like, you know, and I got myself in such a panic. I couldn't even check the numbers anymore. I didn't trust myself anymore. I didn't have a process for figuring it out. I I just, I panicked and it wasn't kind of a joint effort. Like, how can we work on this together? Here's why it's important for this data to be correct. And, and what do we need to do to move it forward? How can I help you get there? And I think I, as a, you know, I'm, I'm a do-gooder. What's that called? Like a, I'm just a goody two shoes. I want to please everybody. So if that leader could have just framed it ever so slightly, instead of deflating my confidence, I would have become a super perfect data person, right? I I would have gotten there. I would have said, you know, the first two times, can you go through it with me? This is what I need to understand. Can I work through it with you twice? And then I promise I will not, you know, I'll be able to do this. I just think it's a, it's an art. Yes. There is artistry to leadership. Yeah. There isn't a formula. I can't tell you here's a formula for feedback and it's going to work well with Tiana. It's going to work well with Jim, Terry, and Bob. It's not. There it is. There's artistry. There's a framework. And then there's delicate nuance to how you deliver that to that person in order to be effective. And when you get that artwork and you communicate that message effectively and with kindness, and that person doesn't feel that panic or get their back up, they're actually going to hear what you have to say. That's the other piece too. It's kind of like parenting, right? It's all in the delivery of the message. (laughs) Yeah. Cause when in those moments when you're tense and frustrated and trying to shift a behavior or provide some feedback, if your kiddo is upset and they're they're not hearing a word that you are saying. <laughs> so this, these principles can be very effectively applied to parenting as well. 100%, 100%. <laughs> now, speaking of our kids, they come with all the different personalities and dispositions and interests and passions. We've definitely got a mix with our three. So as a mom yourself and leadership leadership expert, what advice would you give to parents to encourage and support their kids in developing their leadership potential in a way that's authentic to who they are? You know, I don't like to be a broken record, but I'm just going to be one. Um, Teaching our kids to speak clearly and kindly, right? Teaching our kids to tell us what's bothering them, tell us what's on their mind, and then accepting that feedback well right? As a parent, right? I I was just 
doing some recording on an online course for a leadership program. And we were talking about the only way that as a leader, you can expect your team members to hear feedback and take it well, is if you as the leader take that feedback well. Right. And so we, you know, use this model of, you know, actively listening, echoing back what you heard, empathizing, thanking them for raising it with you, evaluating the options, and then giving a response. And I think if, if you as a parent, when your child gives you feedback, you can say, I hear you. If I understand you correctly, you're frustrated with me because of this. Do I have that right? I can see how that would be frustrating for you. Thank you for telling me. I always want you to tell me. I want you to know it's a safe spot for you to tell me anytime because I'm not going to explode. I'm not going to react poorly. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to say thank you. What are the options for how we resolve this? And then let me actually show you that I follow through on what I say I'm going to do. I think that's a, a very powerful lesson we can teach our children how to accept feedback well, so that you create a culture and environment, a family that can tell each other things and not all get offended and upset that there's, there's purpose in why I'm telling you this, right? No, that's so helpful. And then in practicing those skills to at home, then, you know, your child will likely get more confident in applying those skills and practices in different environments, like at school with teachers or with coaches on teams. Yeah, I, I really like that for sure. And I think that's oftentimes why our kids get more upset if they're feeling like they're not being heard. The other one thing that I am trying really hard to do is act with a little humility um, with my kids. And if I make a mistake, I say it right away. Hey, I got upset earlier. I'm so sorry if I made you upset. That wasn't my intention. I got frustrated for this reason. And here's how I'm going to try and do it differently. Again, hoping that I can role model what I hope to see back for me, right? I would love my kids when they're older to say, mom, I came home at 1130 and you must've been so worried about me. I'm so sorry. I'm going to call you next time when I'm late on curfew. You know, I've got, I've got a good, how many years do I have for that? Maybe another... (laughs) 10 years before that's going to be happening for me, but fingers crossed. It goes by quickly. Yes, (laughs) I know. I still, I just signed up our oldest for driving lessons. (laughs) I know I'm not, I'm not ready. It's not possible, but yes, (laughs) it's good to practice all the way along. And then, yeah, you hope that, you know, you can be that little voice in that, in their, in the back of their head, or you've provided that those skills and that modeling that will, help them to make those good decisions along the way. And if they make mistakes, own them and learn from them and do better next time. So no, I, I really appreciate that, that advice. Now, when you look back at your own journey so far, what are some of your favorite highlights and wins and what's something you're the most proud of? Ooh, it's recent, but because the last nine years of my business were with my business partner, I am, I'm really proud that I was able to keep whiteboard going. I I did a shift that was fully to learning and development and I had a really great fall. And so I don't, I don't mean to be, it's not a boastful way, but I'm, I'm proud that I was able to do that in a pandemic, you know, with three young children, you know, I was, I'm really proud that I was able to make that shift and have it be successful and 
I finally feel like I'm in, I'm in it. This is it. As a good friend of me, a friend of mine said recently, she's like, this is it. This is the best you're ever going to be. You're at your peak right now, right? Like you're just going to get older (laughs) and more forgetful. You know, this is it. Enjoy this. And I feel like I am in it. This is what I am meant to do. The limitless leader is, is not just, you know, one trick pony leadership program that I just came up with this week. It is it. It's where I'm meant to be and what I'm meant to do. And I I feel purpose in that. And so that makes me really proud this year. That is a great win and a great place to be. Now, I would like to pick your brain with some rapid fire questions. What would be one of your go-to meals for your family on one of those super busy days? This one was so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. My children at this, at this, in this precise moment are only consuming nuggets and French fries and craft dinner. However, we have named craft dinner plus de fromage. Um, and so <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I am not at the place yet with my children where we are enjoying a singular family meal. I did, however, get my pickiest eater to eat a quesadilla. And so it doesn't have any vegetables in it. It's just cheese quesadilla. But we are in a place where we can now run on quesadillas. So maybe that's my go-to meal. Well, and it's one you can kind of grow with, adapt a little, add some new things. Everyone can kind of make it their own. I think that's a good one. I'm fingers crossed here. I'm I'm fingers (laughs) crossed here that quesadillas can turn into a meal with vegetables that perhaps all of them will eat. Some of them eat vegetables, but that Lillian, she's the most uh, persnickety. There's always one. And then I found it switch the who it was changed, which is interesting. Our pickiest eater became our least picky eater and our least picky became our pickiest. So (sighs) I don't know. Day to day, I we just try our best and hope that they eat relatively healthy, right? What is one of your favorite family games or activities? So I recently got, I succumbed to an Instagram ad and we got a, it's called, is it called the adventure book? It is a scratch book and it has every, it has like a little, like a lottery ticket scratch portion. And it'll say this activity is one hour. It has, you know, one or $3 signs. It tells you how long, whether you need daytime or nighttime, and then you scratch it off and then it'll have a neat activity for the family to do. And then it's got a little spot for you to put a Polaroid of the, of your family doing the activity. So our kind of favorite activity right now is scratching one of those off. And the most recent one we did was it told us to build like a snake of dominoes using books. And so we took every book in our whole house, which also had my mom's anxiety kind of on, on edge, but I, I took deep breaths and I got over it. And we took every book in the house, all the kids book, and we lined them all up and we had to carefully space them. And sometimes we knocked some over and had to put them back up. But there was this magical moment when our eldest kind of tipped it and the books just went and ended up, you know, right there. And then we took this picture. It was so much fun. That's a great activity. Well, great book to prompt you with some really interesting, creative ideas and fun to scratch and then discover what it is and then do it. That sounds so fun. 
Yeah, it was, it's, it's a really neat family activity that we can all do. And I think the one that we have tonight that we're going to do is something to do with string and you, you make cat burglars. So you put up string everywhere and people have to crawl underneath it without touching the string. So Steph, I, you know, I'm one of those moms that's like busy, like cooking dinner and cleaning up. And, you know, my husband's the one that's like running around playing like cops and robbers or whatever. Right. And I'm always like, I wish I could be that person that could have fun. And this book kind of lets me feel like I I can, mom can be fun too. You're a fun mom. And I'm going to check that book out. That's a good one. Thank you. What is a book podcast or TV show you've enjoyed recently? We binged watch succession. And then as a, I was trying to practice, I did have a little bit of a burnout in the fall and needed some time to recover. And one of my great friends, Sumana Jetty, who you should follow, I think she's on TikTok is her best space, but she's all about wellness strategies and preventing and burnout prevention. And so one of the things she said is, you know, focus on the type of rest that you need. Sometimes you think you need Netflix rest, but you may need social rest. Like interacting with your friends is also a form of rest or creative rest. And so I started playing the piano again and I I downloaded the sheet music for the succession theme song and learned how to play like the first eight bars of the succession theme songs. It's like a very dramatic. And that was my creative rest. So succession is my TV show. It's amazingly funny and interesting. I've gotten into that one myself and I do love the theme song. So I might have to find that music too. (laughs) And then last of my rapid fire questions is if you could sit down and have a conversation with any mom, who would it be and why? Well, oh gosh, that got me emotional because I wasn't really, I didn't prepare my answer, but I probably would have a conversation with my mom who passed, but she suffered from some addiction issues and probably in the last 10 years, we never really had a very strong relationship. It was just what it was. And so I would love to go back. I would love to have a conversation with my mom now and reflect on, on what it was like, or have her reflect on how I am as a mom. And yeah, so she never got to see me be a mom. So that would be the conversation I would have. And that would be a very special conversation. And I'm very sorry for your loss. Oh, thanks. (laughs) And Taking a a bit of a pause and looking back, um, often ask this question to my student teachers that I work with after their their first time student teaching, but I'm going to ask you now as a mom. So thinking about the phrase, if I knew then what I know now, what is one of the biggest takeaways or aha moments that you've had as a mom? And what do you wish you had known when you started your journey as a mom? The biggest takeaway is that there is there is no perfect answer. It doesn't have to be done exactly the way that they say in the books, you know, don't worry if your six month old isn't, you know, recognizing colors. I don't know. I'm trying to think of all those things, you know, when you're the first time mom and you're like, Oh my goodness, are they chewing properly? I think they're going to choke and all these things that we worry about. And you realize kind of when you have another one kind of tacked on, you're like, oh, that wasn't a big deal. Everything's fine. Everything's not so complicated. It doesn't need to be so perfect. As my husband often says, the kids don't need to have shoes to go in the car for a car ride. And I kind of go, you're right. They don't. 
there's the lesson. Your kids don't need shoes for a car ride. They don't. That is a good lesson. And before we wrap things up, Nicole, I just wanted to ask if you had any final thoughts or words of wisdom for moms who are listening, who are looking for some inspiration or support with their own mom work juggles. Oh, I I mean, I love following Alana Kafet's mom halo. Um, She's just a a fun, fun mom, cool mom. (laughs) And, you know, I think she kind of approaches motherhood with this, probably the approach that I had always been seeking, which was a relax. You can have a glass of wine. You can, you can do this. You can do that. She kind of lets you to, to allows you to have that permission to not be so stressed out and so uptight. Yeah. She is a great person to follow on social media. I do really admire her approach to to motherhood and it definitely resonates with me too. Now I want to thank you so much for sharing your time and all your words of wisdom with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and all the things that you are up to, where are the best places to find you? Okay. So I am actually in the terrible place that I have committed to a ridiculous social media thing. I decided to do 365 days of leadership and I am banging my head on the wall every day being like, oh my goodness, I'm only 10 days in. However, you can find 365. Well, we're only on day 10, but you will find 365 days of leadership tips on LinkedIn as Nicole North. I'm on Instagram at whiteboard consult, and you can find me on my website at whiteboardconsulting.ca. And you can always email me at nicole.north at whiteboardconsulting.ca. Thank you so much for joining me, Nicole. I'll make sure to share all of that information in the show notes. And it was fantastic to connect with you. So much fun. Thank you for such great questions. Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.theparttimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.